Hello ladies and gentlemen, how are you doing? So glad to be with you one more time on this live broadcast and podcast. I'd like to invite our broadcast audience to this wonderful service and I'd also like to invite our podcast audience to this amazing time. My name is Apostle Joseph Helen and we are coming to you from Nairobi, Kenya. It's beautiful here. It's raining. It's green. It's lush. It's anointed. The voice of the Lord is being heard. My team is here with me and we're going to bless the Lord together. I'll go straight to the topic for this moment. Get rid of bitterness and you'll be healed. Get rid of bitterness and you will be healed. Uh, My beautiful wife is on my side looking like prosperity you know actually prosperity is looking like her prosperity has been working very hard to look like my wife you know and uh, my wife is getting better and better while prosperity is trying to catch up <laughs> glory to jesus <laughs> you're looking so beautiful yeah so what's bitterness bitterness is not something a person is born with all children are beautiful and kind children love to love they love to laugh they love to share but when when things stop going your way for example you want something and you're not getting it you want somebody to like you and they're not liking you you want people to appreciate you and they're not appreciating you if you respond the wrong way you'll end up in bitterness if you start thinking that the world owes you something like the world owes you an apology the world owes you love the world owes you recognition if you feel like you're owed these things you will be a better person ladies and gentlemen you're created on this face of the earth to be a giver so learn from the onset that it's you to give So if they're not giving you love, you give them love. Now, those who expect that they should be loved, cared for, given to, treated in a certain way, handled in a certain way, respected in a certain way, yeah? The people who become entitled in life to certain expectations and requirements are the ones that tend to be victims of bitterness. They say, I love this lady. I gave her everything. And how could she treat me that way? You see, that's the wrong thing. Because you are doing all those things to imprison on this person to respond to you in a certain way. It's called manipulation. It's also called witchcraft. You're using your good to imprison, to enslave someone else towards yourself. Do you see? That's how you end up becoming bitter. Because she came, enjoyed herself, learned from you, and things like that and then walked away and you you thought how could she treat me like that of course she could and she did (laughs) yeah so don't get bitter you did the right thing that's how it's supposed to be just be nice be good all right so when people come your way and you think they took advantage of you that's fine haven't you realized you're a fountain of life there is no time you'd ever go to a well of water or a tap of water and then you take the water brush your teeth and spit it right out the, the tub won't say you're abusing me how could you take water from me put it in your mouth swirl it around and spit it right out in a way that's so disgusting then you're still using my same water to flush down your waste matter the water is happy to clean what's dirty always happy consistently giving so, if I were to stop this message right here, I'd tell you to get rid of bitterness, stop being selfish, and just be a giver. Give help. I don't give expecting anything in return. The only time you should ever expect anything in return is when people enter an agreement with you to be in a relationship with you. For example, as a minister of the gospel, I can only expect from you if you permit me to mentor you and to train you. To that extent, I'll give you my list of expectations. For example, you need to pray, you need to study the Word of God, and you need to be available when you're doing the things of God. So it's give and take. You see, you have your responsibility, and I have my responsibility. 
If there's no such agreement, if there's no such arrangement, don't expect anything from anyone. In fact, abuse is when you expect things from people to whom you've not invested a thing. If you've not invested something in somebody's life, don't expect anything from them. Invest at least for a year before you start asking for anything. Yeah? You don't ask a woman to love you before you invest love in her. Do this for me and do that for me. Teach them first. This is how Jesus used to act. Jesus would teach a topic. Then he would do that, those things that he taught while the disciples are just watching. You know, sometimes they're fighting amongst each other. Who's the greatest? You know, and things like that. Yeah. But Jesus would just keep teaching, demonstrating. And then one day Jesus says, okay, you guys go two and two. Go on, preach the gospel. Tell them the kingdom of God has come. And if you find sick people, heal them. If you find people that are bound, deliver them. Yeah. If you find a few dead ones willing to be resurrected, resurrect them. See, people are never usually fully dead, okay? There's always a willingness to live. And if, <laughs> if somebody wants to live, they can be resurrected. The, the reason sometimes resurrection doesn't happen is the cops has refused. You know, the owner of the cops, the owner of the house says, no, 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 I shut the house, I shut the factory, I'm not opening it up again. If that spirit were willing to live again, it's so easy to raise the dead. Just as easy as it is to deliver people. From demonic spirits. It's not difficult. You don't need to have a special anointing to raise the dead. No, the Bible says those who believe they shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. The disciples were not even saved when they were sent to go and raise the dead. Jesus told them, Go raise the dead. Judas did that. The one who betrayed Jesus. You see, people in your camp that are working for your downfall can still be very useful to you before they start manifesting their evil desires. See, Everybody has some role they're playing in their life, okay? All things work together for good. So there is no reason why you should have so many expectations. This is what brings bitterness. They treated me badly when I was good to them. What did you expect? They've not been taught how to treat you well in return. So you should have just continued teaching and demonstrating. One day, maybe five years later, they will remember and they'll be reformed. I've seen this happen in my life over and over again. I train people, help people, then they turn against me. A few years later, it's as if they woke up the realization I was teaching them the right thing, you know? And you find they've applied it on their own. They return to you totally transformed. And you are just so amazed. You begin to say, Father, thank God they left. Because if they stayed around, they wouldn't have applied the things I taught them. Instead of feeling so bitter, I'll never teach again. I'll never give again. You give people money, they say, oh, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and I'll return it. Then they fail to return the money. Don't be bitter. Just make more money. Okay? So bitterness is a horrible thing. Bitterness is going to make you barren. You know? Barren physically. Barren financially. Barren emotionally. Barren spiritually. It just makes you a barren person. Let me give you scriptures now. Let's go to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1, verse 10. The Bible says, And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. This is Hannah. Hannah was the wife of Elkanah. Okay? Hannah, the wife of Elkanah. And she was uh, married to, a, uh, of course, a married to Elkanah. But Elkanah had two wives. One was called Penina. And Penina vexed her consistently because she was barren. You see, there are always people in life. They look for what you don't have. And that's what they focus on. For example, if you're a young, beautiful woman, and you're not married, there'll always be somebody around you, especially in the family setting, that'll always be questioning your singlehood. Always. Any moment you go for family meeting, hey, how come you're not yet married? That's their preoccupation. They vex you. You see, until you want to avoid them. Don't be bitter. They are playing a role in your life, okay? They are moving you into a certain position. So Penina so vexed Hannah to the extent that she, Hannah became bitter and wept sore. Now, this was unnecessary. The bitterness was unnecessary. Weeping sore was unnecessary. 
because all Hannah needed was to hear the word of a priest. And the day she heard the word of the priest, she actually conceived. She did not need to weep. She did not need to be bitter. This is because she didn't know how to respond to the co-wife. She didn't have the wisdom to respond to the vexation that came from the co-wife. If she had the wisdom, she would not have wept and she would not have been bitterness of soul. The bitterness of Hannah exacerbated the situation. It made the situation worse. Because bitterness defiles. I'm going to prove that to you. If you look at the book of um, Psalm 62 verse 8, the Bible says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Selah means pause and think about it. So God says here, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, Pour out your heart before him. So instead of being bitter with people, during your prayer, pour out that thing before him. Talk to God and tell, tell God the things that concern you. In fact, he said in Isaiah 118, come, let's reason together. Is it 118? Says the Lord, come, let's reason together. Let's talk about this thing. What is bothering you? Talk to me about it. Now, there are people who've chosen to be quiet. Things are bothering them and they keep quiet. And then it turns into bitterness. You've got to pour it out to God. You gotta say, I've been kind to people. I've been nice to people. I gave my best. They treated me badly. That's what Jesus did if you read the book of Psalms, the Psalms of David. He talks about Jesus and how Jesus poured out his heart. He said, the person I used to eat with, you know, has turned their heels against me. We used to dip our hands in the same container, eating from the same container. This one has turned against me, yeah? They say an evil disease is clinging on me. See, Jesus carried all our sicknesses and our sorrows. They said, where is your God? God isn't going to deliver you. They spat on him. They hit him and said, prophesy, man of God, who hit you? Prophesy. You see, they mocked him. But Jesus poured out his heart to God. He didn't consider those things. Instead, he poured them out. If you don't pour out, you remain bitter. And then you develop a demonic, a satanic way of dealing with pain. So that anytime somebody does something that just is reminiscent of your past pain, your defenses rise to the heavens. This is not the full armor of God now. This is your fleshly defenses. Your attempt to protect your heart from pain. They just rise. So you've got to pour out to God first, not to people. Pour out to God first. During your prayer time, during your devotion. These are the things you need to do to purify your heart. Okay? Say it as it is. Say, I gave this person money. I helped them. I accommodated them. I counseled them. I prayed for them. I was their friend. Now they've turned against me. It hurts me. But Lord, you've been through these things, you understand. So I receive your healing. You know, that's how you're supposed to do it. And keep expressing it as often as you remember. And if you find a trusted friend who's not a gossip, there are preachers who are gossip. Recently I rebuked and a renowned preacher because of tolerating gossip. I didn't spare him. I'm an apostle. I did not spare him because he had developed the habit of gossiping. Imagine a man of God to whom you send messages and then he sends, he forwards the messages to everybody. You know? Loves gossip. And, and he had just created an environment around him of gossip. So I rebuked him the way Paul rebuked Peter. Straight to his face. You know? said, gossip? At your level? No way. You can't be a gossip. Yeah? You see, that's not a habitual issue. That's just foolishness. If somebody's addicted to something, that's a, that's a habitual problem. There is another way of dealing with that. You see? But me talking about Judy in her absence, negatively, and when she arrives, I smile with her. And when she goes, I talk about her negatively. Or she sends me a message concerning her need. Then I expose her and I share it with everyone else. Like some of our foolish politicians do. Yeah? Some of our foolish politicians in our country, in their moment of pleasure, record people. And then in their moment of bitterness, expose people. You know? This is called levels of foolishness. This is what bitterness does to people. Yeah? You see, you don't have this with your phones, you can't record anything. 
You see, that's why this message is recorded. Everything I'm saying is recorded. Yeah, but I'm recording good news. I'm not recording bad news. Okay, glory to God. So I had to rebuke a preacher, a, a world-renowned preacher, because of sitting around with people who are supposed to be his grandkids, and he gossips people with them. You see, a guy can spend a whole afternoon just talking about people instead of talking about Jesus. You see, that's called a bitter person. He's found outlet, an outlet in gossiping. And you know what gossip does? It makes the other person small. It pulls people down. Oh, don't worry about Judy. She does this and that. Ah, and the way I trusted her. You see, you've just brought the woman down. That's what gossip does. You see, that's what snitching is. So I rebuked the guy. Yeah? I said, you and your inner circle relish gossip. And you got to repent. Turn away from it. Stop gossip. Talk about people in their presence. And if you talk about them away from their presence, be ready to repeat the same words when they show up. If you really intended good. When somebody shows up, if I'm talking about Judy or Mr. Bula, maybe I'm talking to my wife about them and they appear. I should say, ah, perfect. I'm just so glad you're here. This is what I was telling my wife about you. We need to fix this, fix that, fix it. That's not gossip. But if we change the topic and we argue and offer you tea, yet we were saying negative things about you, that's called gossip. So this is how I cure it. Just to get rid of bitterness. If you talk to me about somebody and I feel like it's bordering on gossip, I will call them and put them on loudspeaker on my phone. And I say, now carry on as they're listening. Now they're part of the meeting, they're part of the group. If you change the topic and start saying, praise the Lord, and His mercies endure forever. Yeah? <laughs> For His good and His mercy endure forever. Yeah? <laughs> praise the Lord is good. Eh? <laughs> if you change the topic, because now the other person is listening, then you're a gossip. And you're a gossip because you are bitter. Why are you bitter? Things didn't go your way. And who told you they'll always go your way? There's some things that will not go your way. There are people going to hell. God doesn't want them to go there. Things are not always going God's way. You see, the all-powerful, all-knowledgeable, the one with all the wisdom, he doesn't want a single human being going to hell. But these guys stubbornly go there still. Yeah? God doesn't want people punished. He doesn't want anyone going to hell. Yeah. So things will not always go your way. You meet somebody and you want to get married. They might not always do the things the way you want them to. It is up to you to mature enough to continue being good, be a giver. Don't stop. Don't change tact. Don't say, okay, I trusted people. I no longer want to trust anyone. That's bitterness. Keep trusting. Let them be untrustworthy. You remain trustworthy and trusting. You see, look, Judas stole from Jesus consistently for three and a half years. Don't say, oh my goodness, how could I be so foolish to trust this person only for them to take off with all my money. Judas did that to Jesus consistently. There was a point where there was no money at all in the, in the treasury. They had to command a fish to produce money. You see, Judas had stolen everything. And he had prospects of stealing even more. Every time somebody gave something, he just saw what he could steal from me. So have people stolen from you? Drop the bitterness. Make more money. Have they slandered you? Forgive them. You continue building your own character, building your own life, making amends and changes where there's need. Don't, don't listen too much. Okay? What have they done against you? It's not the first time these things have been done against people from when the world was made. God, especially, being on the receiving end more than any other spiritual being, you see. So drop the bitterness, all right? Be in charge of what you can control. If you cannot control it, that's okay. It's not a must that you control everything. It's not a must that things go your way all the time. Even in a family, things don't always have to go my way. Then life becomes sweet and beautiful. When you're no longer going to bed feeling so bad that somebody disobeyed you and you have to cost them to obey you. Yeah? 
give them the freedom to submit that obedience to you. Willfully, willingly, yeah? Not out of coercion or compulsion or force, okay? Just let people be. And if they say, train me, and they permit you to train them, then you have authority to rebuke them. That's part and parcel of training. If they say, I don't want you training anymore, don't rebuke them. That would be abuse. Okay? If they trust that you can change their lives, they'll tell you, okay, if you see something wrong in my life, just rebuke me. But even you guys who get rebuked, you also need to train the, the rebuker how to rebuke. You say, hey, be, be gentle with me. You know, I'm hearing you. Uh, soften it a bit, you know. Give and take reason. The Bible says it. Come, let's reason together. Are your senses red as scarlet? I'm going to make them as white as snow. What is bothering you? What is the problem? Let's talk about it. You see? Now you get rid of bitterness that way. Hannah was bitter because she considered the vexations of Penina too much. Yeah? Oh, you dry twig. That's what Penina used to call her. And she would take that as if it were true. Don't accept everything people tell you. If it's not true, just reject it. If it is true, accept it, okay? So pour out your heart before God, yeah? First Samuel 1, 15 to 16. Hannah now goes to the temple and she's praying. Her lips are moving, but her voice cannot be heard. And Ellie, the high priest, was seated there looking at her and her lips were moving and Ellie thinks this, this woman is drunk because those days Ellie's sons used to drink and you know, that was their club, the temple. That's where they used to dance and drink and get very high. So that was common during those days. So Ellie thinks this one has been drinking out there with my sons. Now, <laughs> now she's coming and standing here. She's high. And Ellie says, put away from you alcohol, my young girl. Why are you drunk? And then the lady says, first Samuel uh, 1, 15. And Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I'm not a woman... I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Now you see, Psalm 62, verse 8, pour out your heart before him. What was this woman doing? Finally, this is what brought her help, pouring out her soul before God. Before she was pouring it out to the husband or pouring it out back to Penina, yeah? This time she chose, I'm going to tell God about this thing. Yeah? This thing that bothers me. Even if you think I'm drunk. Now, do you realize that whenever you're in trouble, even the people that should help you sometimes tend to turn against you? She's in trouble. Ellie's supposed to help. Ellie's also accusing her of what she hasn't done. You've been taking alcohol out there. Look at you. Put away from your alcohol. The, Ellie was completely convinced the woman was drunk. But she wasn't. Now, this is how life is. When things are hard for you, even the ones that should encourage you might end up turning against you. Even then, don't be bitter. And don't hold it against them. Okay? Are you getting it, wonderful people? Verse 16, 1 Samuel 1. Count not your handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Her complaint and her grief is what she was pouring out before God. Okay? So don't suppress your feelings. Another reason a lot of people get bitter is they suppress what they feel. They swallow it in. That lump is not supposed to go back in. You know, when you're getting angry, don't let it go in. Express it to the Lord. And then express it to somebody you trust who will give you wisdom rather than encouraging you to revenge. You see? Because bitterness has always, it has this thing about revenge. Hit back. Yeah? They hurt you, hurt them back. That's bitterness. But the kingdom of God is not about revenge. Vengeance belongs to God. Not, it doesn't belong to us. We ought to just love, okay? So, Romans 8.26 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how we should pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. When tears are hot and you're feeling pain, cry before God. The Bible says when you do that as a child of God, it's the Spirit of God praying through you with groanings which cannot be expressed by use of words. So cry during your prayer time. Cry to God. 
those are prayers. I remember there's a time uh, and I was praying for somebody. They, they had a, a physical health condition and I'd prayed for a long time and things weren't working. Yeah, Or they appeared as if they were not working. I was praying and I, I'd prayed for a long time. So this particular time I just said, I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm just going to worship you, Jesus. So that you heal this person. Yeah. So as I began to sing, worship, I began to weep. Now I couldn't sing anymore. Every time I tried to sing, I would just weep and weep and tears would run down my cheeks and I would weep and weep. Until when that feeling ended, when it lifted, I called this person and I asked, how are you doing? They said, the problem just ended right now. You see? So the Lord just wanted me to pour out my heart with groanings that cannot be expressed with words. That deep intercessory words of the Holy Spirit that only manifest as tears and groaning. You can do that with your family members and you'll see answers. Just stop the prayer. Oh God, do this. Oh God, do that. Oh, I rebuke this. I rebuke this. Stop that. I just start worshiping with your hands lifted. And when you, when you start feeling the emotions rising, just cry. Don't stop it. Don't feel embarrassed about it. And just cry until the whole thing lifts. Oh, every problem you had will be gone. And I remember the person got healed the moment I stopped crying. When I felt, okay, now there's no more emotion left. Yeah? I started wiping my tears. And now even if I played the same worship song, because the song I was playing on my phone and I was singing along. So even when I played the worship song, I wasn't feeling the emotion anymore. So I knew prophetically the matter is settled. So Penina vexes Hannah. Hannah pours her heart before God, pours out all the bitterness before God. So she was no longer bitter. And when she dropped the bitterness, that's when she got her miracle. How beautiful, yeah? Now, Psalm 56 verse 8. You've kept count of my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Have not you recorded them in your book? Psalm 56 verse 8 talks about the tears you cry when you're praying, when you're worshiping. God takes those tears. His angels will take the tears. Angel Salathia or Shell Tear. That's the angel responsible for prayer. That angel takes your tears, puts them in a bottle, and takes them before God. Everything that's taken to God is like incense. And then it's mixed with fire. And it smells before God. In fact, the tears are literally poured into your book. That's why the Bible says, are they not recorded in your book? They are poured in a book and they become ink that write beautiful words of poetry that glorify God. You see, up in heaven it's no longer complaints. There's something the high priest does. The high priest, whose name is Jesus, takes your words that are corrupt, your words that are tainted, and then he amends them like a good lawyer. So that they are presented before God in a way that's acceptable. Okay? So those tears come before God as words of praise and adoration and worship. When on earth there were words of pain. You are expressing pain. But when they reach God, they are words of adoration, worship and praise. That's what you find in the book of God when you cry tears before him. One of the best ways to deal with bitterness is to just cry before God as you worship him. Express yourself honestly. Honestly. But don't curse anyone. Don't say they should die. No, you're not a judge. You went there looking for help. You didn't go there to judge. Okay? Don't make a determination as to what God should do with them. Okay? You express your, your pain. Say, I've been mistreated. I've been abused. I've been slandered. I've been abandoned. They have rejected me. Oh God, I'm here for your healing. For your healing touch. Don't say... Punish them. No. Why have you jumped from being here to being a judge? You see, a lot of bitter people, instead of just going to be healed, they want God to, to do their bidding. They sit on the throne and they tell God, now, take your whip and whip the buttocks of that one. Who hurt me? No, you're still in pain. So we need to deliver you. And once that pain is removed, You'll have so much compassion. You will not want God to punish anybody. See? So don't, don't make pronouncements before you heal yourself. It will be tainted. It will be unfair. 
It will be what we call unrighteous judgment. Okay? Be healed first. That's why it's important to give things time. If your spouse hurts you, please do not take action. Give it time until your feelings calm down. You see, guys, it's so interesting that a man walks out on a good marriage just because of the passion of the moment. The woman has done something wrong or the man has done something wrong because of the the anger of the moment. You make a decision that is so wrong. You think the solution is to walk out. What if you just gave it one week? Maybe you're angry, very angry, but give it a week. Don't take any action. As you pour out your heart before God, a time comes when you are here and now you can look at this spouse of yours with eyes of compassion rather than feelings of judgment. You see? And then you find yourself remaining in a blessed, wonderful relationship because of acting wisely. Yeah? Most people who walk out of their marriages ultimately re- regret it. Ultimately. When their feelings have calmed down and the passage of time has caused them not to be in touch with that raw pain anymore. Then they start thinking, so she was a wonderful person after all. And especially after you've gone out there and made worse mistakes than she made. It always happens like that, by the way. That's why the Bible says don't judge anybody because you will do the very same things. If you judge somebody in a certain area, the Bible says you'll be similarly judged. How? This is Matthew 7 verse 1. How are you similarly judged? If somebody stole and you judge them instead of forgiving them, you judge them and brand them a thief and slander them, do you know what will happen? You will steal too so that you can be similarly judged. Are you getting it? That's what the Bible says, judge not so that you're not judged. Because the same way you judge is the same way you also will be judged. Okay? So especially in families, don't take action too quickly. Don't, don't walk out. Don't walk out. No. Stay, stay put. Stay, stay home. But you don't know. You don't know what they did. You don't know how it went. Now, I don't need to know. But I know somebody who can heal you. If you keep pouring that out before him, let your, your tears become liquid prayers before God. And you'll deal with this bitterness thing once and for all. I'm not saying you'll never feel pain. But when you feel pain, there's a way. There's God's wisdom. There's a way to deal with the pain. Don't take the law in your own hands and then sit on the judgment seat and start meeting out sentences. That's a sign of bitterness. Yeah? And don't celebrate when a person who hurt you is suffering. The Bible says God will have mercy on them because you're celebrating. And then the same thing will happen to you because you are judging them. Don't judge your parents. They raised you badly. How do you know they raised you badly? What are you comparing it with? What standard are you using? Now that you're judging your parents, yes, they made mistakes. Yes, they were hurtful. Now you've sat on the judgment seat, judging their bad behavior. As who? With what qualification? With what ability? Are you really righteous? Have you considered everything that we are judged does? Have you considered the circumstances under which they raised you? Have you considered the kind of knowledge they had? Have you considered the spiritual atmosphere? with which they grew up themselves. Have you considered all that before you sit on the judgment seat saying, my father is horrible, my mother is horrible, my brother is horrible, my sister is horrible? How do you get your information? I'll tell you how you got the information. Someone else within the family told you how bad your father is and you started believing it. You started believing it. Most of his badness was meted against someone else, not you. Yeah? And you sided with that person. Maybe your father was abusing your mother. I think he shouldn't do. But you saw the abuse and started judging your father for abusing your mother. Or the other way around, your mother abusing your father. Or your uncle abusing your auntie. And you sided with the, the abused person without having the knowledge, the wherewithal, the wisdom, and anything it takes to fix the matter. Yeah? And you branded the man bad, incorrigible, horrible, congenitally malformed, 
as in he was a mess before the foundations of the world. <laughs> You've decided this guy is, cannot be corrected. Horrible forever. Let me tell you, you'll do much worse things than that father. Because you got onto the judgment seat and you're not a righteous judge. Bitterness. Yeah? What you should have done is pour out your heart before God. All oh, things are difficult in this home, Father. But you are my help. That's what Jesus did. When he was rejected by his siblings, everybody rejected him. He cried to God. Read the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms from chapter 1 to the very last are about Jesus. Yeah? Read the book of Psalms. Cry. Don't take sides. Cry for the abuser too. Say, oh, Father. Oh, Father. This guy must have been abused for him to be acting this way. He's manifesting a messed up generation. And we are part of this family. It means the streak of abuse is in all of us. But you are the deliverer. You are a savior. You died for this thing. Then cry the, the tears of pain before God. So that your heart is a heart of compassion rather than a heart of judgment. Bitterness always arises when we judge our family members first. Yes, they were wrong. Okay? I'm not sanitizing their wrong, though I can. I have the power of the Holy Spirit to sanitize them. Yeah? I can forgive and they're forgiven. I'm not licensing, I should have used that. I'm not licensing evil or bad behavior. But I'm teaching you wisdom how to deal with it. To get yourself out of bitterness. You are where you are because you sat on the judgment seat and judged the innocent. Because it was not righteous judgment. You can judge, but it has to be righteous. Righteous means corrective. The judgment that will turn the person around so that they become a good person. And one of the ways to do that is to intercede, to cry before God. So, daddy is mistreating mommy and mommy has collaborated with the children. Now the children hate daddy. Do you see? That's wrong judgment. Yeah? You're hating him. Now you're doing the exact thing he's doing. So who's going to help who here? Yeah? He is mistreating your mother because he is feeling pain in his heart. Now all of you are mistreating him because you're feeling pain in your heart. The interesting thing is that you, you are more. You know, three against one. One hates one. And now three hate one. The father is mistreating your mother and your three of you. Two children plus the mother. Now the three of you meet often to discuss the ills of your father. And now you've decided to hate him back. Wait a minute. Can't you see it? Can't you see you're doing the exact same thing? Can't you see it? You don't like the way he's treating your mother, maybe the rest of you, yeah? But are you treating him the way you would want to be treated? Now you've become an anointed version of his evil character. You have mastered the art of bitterness. So when he appears home, all of you are quite punishing him with the cold treatment. This is bad for all of you. Would you not learn a better way to deal with this thing? Cry before God. Pour your heart before him. Tell God this story. Tell it to Jesus. Okay? And then seek counseling. For people who are not bitter, because there are some counselors that will tell you things. You, you finish the session and you're feeling more pain than before. Yeah? I have seen people who are raised by angry parents. They are the angry birds children watch on TV nowadays. They are more angry than their parents. But they don't see it. They feel like they are owed an explanation. They feel like life would be much better if daddy acted better. No, it wouldn't. Life becomes better when you make it better. You make it better. Not your father, not your mother. Yes, it's important that fathers and mothers do what they ought to do. But when they fail, that's not the end of the road for you. You can still come out and become a great success, even where you don't have parents. 
okay? It's important that we grow up in wonderful families, and that's what we preach every Wednesday. Marriage, relationships, and families, that's what we preach, and we teach people how these things are done. But just in case you came from a family of abuse, you don't have to propagate the same abuse by reacting wrongly, by responding wrongly, by responding in a judgmental manner. I'm this way because my father treated my mother badly. I don't think I'll ever get married. When I look at the way my father and mother were married, I don't think, you know, I'm not interested in marriage anymore. You are a fool because you're going to be much worse than your father. You're going to say marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled. It's a good thing. If my father failed in it, you don't ban a university because some people failed there. It's not a university that has failed. It's a student that didn't study well. So you don't say marriage is bad because your uncle divorced. And some people have this foolishness. They look up to the marriages of human beings instead of looking at the word of God. Oh, I was looking up to the marriage of Pastor Christy Akilome and Anita Akilome. Now that they're, you know, they got divorced, I don't, I don't have faith in marriage anymore. Did Christy Akilome die for you? You see, that, that's a foolishness again. That's, that's a sense of bitterness. You so predicate everything upon a person to the extent when that person fails, you quit altogether. Or if this person says they are a Christian and they are preaching so well and they have so much power and this is happening in their lives, I quit being a Christian. You see, you're bitter. You're not basing anything on the word of God. You're basing everything on people you look at like this. They can fail. And what do you do when they fail? Pray for them. Don't say, I quit. So what were you doing there in the first place? Yeah? You see, when people are bitter, they always respond wrongly to everything. So when they find a relationship that's working really well, their opinion and response towards that relationship is wrong already. That is their motivation. That should not be your motivation. It should be an example. But the word of God is your motivation. The word of God, the word of God. This is an example, but that example can also fail. Yeah? You mean you did that? And the way I thought you guys were the example of marriage. You mean, I mean what? Read your Bible, stop reading me. <laughs> yeah? And the only time you're supposed to read me is when I'm speaking that same Bible. Other times, just pray for me. Okay? This is where parents, children of preachers, end up judging their, the faults of their fathers and mothers. Oh, on stage is all this powerful guy waving his hands and people fall and healing the sick at home is a different story. Who told you to judge him as a preacher? Who gave you the job? Don't you have a life to live? But you're there looking at your father like this as he preaches in church. Then you come back home and you look at him and you judge him. You say you're a hypocrite. You know, in the church you love people. At home you're very angry. Can't you just pray for him? Pour out that before God and intercede. And that's why they decide to judge their fathers and they become worse. So the father is winning souls, healing the sick. This one is crazy, doing what is going to land him to hell. And a child will not go to hell because of the father. The Bible says so. Nobody is punished because of the sins of their fathers anymore. Your own sin will take you to hell. But you see, you can't say it's because my father was angry as a preacher. He gave me a hard time as a child. God's not going to listen to that. Okay. God will ask you, okay, what have you done with your own life now? You lived in bitterness. Hannah had to drop the bitterness. And that's the only time her womb was open. Let's read a bit more. Yeah? You know, I'm so on fire here because this thing is bothering people and we just need to deal with it. Yeah? Now, 1 Samuel 1 verse 17 to 19. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace and the God of Israel grant you your petition that you've asked of him. Yeah? Verse 18. And she said, Let your handmaid find grace in your sight. So the woman went her way and did eat and her countenance was no more sad. She dropped the bitterness. Had she conceived? No! But she chose not to be bitter anymore. 
She had refused to eat. She was so bitter, she was not eating. But this time round, having poured her heart before God, the false accusation from the priest notwithstanding, the Bible says she went and ate, and she was no more sad. That day she chose, I'm not going to be a sad person anymore in life. I'm dropping the sadness, this reclusive act, hiding from people because I've been hurt. You know, I just want to do things on my own. I want to be secure and safe. If things get a bit heated, I run away. You know, I'm dropping that. I would eat with people. You hurt me, I forgive you. You know, I've learned wisdom from God. When Hannah acted like that and stopped the sadness, that negative expression of the face, that feeling low, when she stopped it, the answer came. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, she was no more sad. Are you a sad person? Why are you sad? Tell me who hurt you <laughs> and why you haven't forgiven them. Why are you sad? Why are you sad? What's making you sad? The Bible says she was no more sad. She ate her food and she was happy. Start now. Start smiling now. Start being happy now. Don't wait to be happy when your father apologizes. No. You forgive him. When you forgive him, God forgives him. But there's no need for him to apologize anymore. When people mess with me, I don't ask them to apologize to me because that depends on your level of maturity. Apology comes depending on maturity and the depth of the relationship I have with you. Okay? Mature people will apologize straight away. Immature people will defend themselves. Yeah? I still love you anyway. Whether you're defending yourself or apologizing, I will still love you. Do you see? Stop being sad. You see, the trouble with being sad is it makes you hide in your room. You go to work, just do your thing, get into your car or your bicycle, go home, hide in your room. You hide. Now, the trouble with hiding in your room is the devil will cause you to express yourself in ways that are ungodly. This is where pornography starts coming in because you want expression. This is where masturbation comes in. You want expression. This is where now you start sending messages looking for people to sleep with because you want expression. You're not bad yourself. It's just that you have hidden too long. Yeah, You're not hugging people out there. So you're not getting touched. Your people are not the warmth of people. It helps. Okay? So you have sexual tension that's too high. You get that? And here is where people get into drugs too. There's so much tension in you. You need a release. You're not a bad guy. But you're using the wrong method to deal with this bitterness. Do what Hannah did. She poured her heart before God. And after that, even before she got the child, she said, I will no longer be sad about this matter. I'm not going to be sad about this matter anymore. I know I've been mistreated. I've been cheated. I've been slandered. I've been rejected. I've been hurt. But I won't be sad about it anymore. The moment she made that decision, the answer started coming. Are you getting it? This will deliver you completely. Be the happy person. The factory of joy. Be the person, when people see you, they smile. When they see you, you infect them with positivity. Okay? Yes, you worked. And they refused to pay you. Oh, that has happened to me so many times. But it never made me broke. Yeah? You did all the work and they refused to pay you. It's happened to me so many times. I do my work with all my heart. I go, you know, if they ask for five hours, I do eight hours. Then when you're done and it's time for your bank account to start feeling the touch of the Lord. Yeah. The bank account is already moving like this, preparing to receive money. That's the time they don't answer your phone calls anymore. You go to the office. No, they didn't come today, but they're actually hiding somewhere. Yeah. They just refuse to pay you. You start thinking, should I sue them or not? Then you realize, I can make more money. Instead of suing them, let me just go and work and make more money elsewhere. At least this other person will pay me. Have you noticed that more people pay you than those who don't? Ever notice that? Ever notice that out of 10 people that you work for, maybe only two will refuse to pay you? So on overall, really, on, on average, you're still quite rich. Yeah? So relax. Stop being sad. That's how you deal with bitterness. I'm not going to be sad anymore. If you're married like me, stop being angry with your spouse. Be happy with your spouse. Just decide, I'm happy with you. And practice that. Dance a little bit. Even if you don't know how to dance, 
The thing about dance is it's simply just moving your body parts, the members of your body, the instruments of righteousness. Move them in, even if it's not in tandem with any beat, just move it. Just move your body like this and just keep at it. Even if the music has a different beat and look at your spouse and smile and say, you know what? I'm no, I'm no longer a sad person. I'm a happy person. I'm happy with you. She'll ask, happy with me for what? No, you don't have to do anything for me to be happy with you. I am happy with you because you are my spouse. And just keep your dance. Yeah? Just be a happy person. Drop the sadness. Drop it. That I'm being serious with life. But life is eating you up. Yeah? <laughs> what is there to laugh about? There's so much to laugh about. Have you seen butterflies? Can you look at a bee moving from one flower to another? A very busy insect. Without that little insect, the world will not have food. They are the ones that do all the pollinating, more than any other insect. Kill all the bees, all the plants will die. Because they will not reproduce. Do you see? Drop the sadness and the sarcasm, sense of bitterness. Very sarcastic, the people who are always sarcastic. You praise them. You say, ah, I already knew that. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> no, say, thank you. Ah, you, you. You mean I'm that good? To, wow, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Receive positivity. Yeah. Bitter people always think you have something up your sleeve. I tell a woman, I love you. All he wants is me with me. But I love you for real. I do. I'm a loving man. I'm a loving person. I love you for real. Yes, I do. Why do you always see things negatively? Why do you always see things in, in a negative, dirty way? What? Drop the sadness. You're a sad fellow. You're a sad fellow. That's why you over-sexualize everything. Because you're sad. You're looking for expression. There's so much tension in your body, it turns into something sexual. Yeah? You need to have control of your sexuality. And the only way you can do that is drop the sadness. So you do or you don't, it's your choice. How you handle your sexuality. You're not pushed. Oh, one thing led to another. No, 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 be in charge. Be in charge of your life. I don't know how I can stop drinking. Oh, can I tell you? This is how you drink, this way. And this is how you stop. I just stopped. You know, you don't need deliverance for that. Just stop bringing that thing into your mouth. That you can do. Okay? Oh, I can't stop sleeping with, with people. Oh, easy. Just stop. The way you did, don't do. It's so simple. It's so simple. Oh, but I can't control my feelings. You can. The only reason the feelings overwhelm you is because you're sad. You're bitter. Do what Hannah did. Eat your food. I don't be sad anymore. Simple, yeah? The things of God are like that. They're so simple. Enjoy your food. Don't gobble up. That's a sign of bitterness. Yeah? And don't hide with your food. It's another sign of bitterness. Somebody gets his food, goes and hides somewhere and looks around like this while they eat. They're bitter. Eat with gladness and with a smile. Okay? Drop the sadness. Okay, I gotta finish this thing. Yeah? Glory to God. I gotta finish this thing. Romans 12 verse 19. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will pay them back, declares the Lord. Okay? Don't take revenge. Don't hit back. Cry to God instead. Yeah? Cry to God instead. Don't hit back. Yeah? Remember a guy called Simon the Sorcerer? Acts 8.23 Peter tells him I perceive that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. You are bitter so you are bound by iniquity. So you want to buy everything. You even want to buy a beautiful woman. You know, there are people who can't get beautiful girls until they have a lot of money. For their money is for buying people. They, they want to buy everything in life. They are so inherently corrupt that they even want to buy a relationship. Huh? That was Simon the sorcerer. This is just what sorcery is. Yeah. When you want to buy a woman or want to buy a man, oh. you're a sorcerer. 
Why not just be kind and see who will like you? And when they like you, create a relationship with them. But don't be sad. Sad people like buying relationships. Sad people will make you drunk first before they sleep with you. Because when you're drunk, you don't, you're not in your rightful mind. Your defenses are down. Do you see? So you're doing worse things. Your father never made anyone drunk. He only hurt you. Now you're here hurting people and making them drunk and sleeping with them. Huh? You see? The trouble with bitterness. You make things worse. Every generation gets worse. Huh? Are you getting me? Drop the sadness. Okay? Do you know that sad people can be seen? Someone will see you walking around and say, that lady is sad. It's on your face. It shows. So why not just start smiling and be happy? I always tell people around me, smile, be happy. In fact, one of the questions I always ask when I meet people, are you happy? I always ask that question. Huh? <laughs> Drop the sadness. Stop being sad. Everything else will fall into place. You'll find that things that look like addictions are reducing and reducing until one day. You wonder, did I used to do those things? It might take time, but they will reduce until they end. Just stop being sad. You think sadness will bring you money? No, it doesn't. What brings money is entrepreneurship, not sadness. Okay? You think sadness will cause people to change? No. What changes people? Your intercessory prayers. Okay? Not just sadness. Stop being sad. Even if you're grieving, the Bible says don't grieve hopelessly. That somebody died, now you're sad for a whole year. That encourages bitterness. And bitterness will always bring addictions with it. You can be addicted to stuff. You can even be addicted to work. You can be addicted to anything. Yeah? Alright? So Simon the sorcerer was in bitterness. Yeah? Wow. If you read the book of... Uh, Psalm 14, it describes a bitter person as a person under the Belial spirit. I've taught a complete teaching on the Belial spirit. Go look for it, okay? Romans 3, 13 to 14. The Bible says their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of wasp is under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Cursing and bitterness. Cursing. They use big swear words because they are bitter. Now you know why people swear. Yeah? Bitterness. Alright? Hebrews 12, 15 says bitterness defiles you. Now, you see, once you're defiled, you do defiled things. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Next thing, it talks about sexual issues. Verse 16. And how you sell your birthright. When you're bitter, you'll sell your birthright. Okay, so Ephesians 4 31 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. That's the cure for bitterness. Let it not happen. Glory to God. I'm done. Let me see who we have online. Irene, God bless you. She says, oh, today it's burning. Michelle Walton, God bless you. Love you guys. Saying, uh, bless, good morning, apostle. Glory to God. Amen. So I can see my people are getting blessed here. Jesus, wonderful. Just drop the bitterness. People will still hurt you, even after this message. I promise you that. It, probably even today, someone will hurt you. Just forgive them, okay? And stop being sad. I can see Nelly David's online. God bless you, my sister. Love you guys. Hallelujah. Michelle says, so true, Apostle. Hallelujah. Just don't be bitter. The Bible says, don't let it. Yeah? If the Bible says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and, and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you, it means God in his wisdom knows you have the capacity to do that. So you can do it. Yeah? Don't pray about it. Just stop it. Okay? There are some people who are notorious for praying about everything. I can see Apostle Matthew says, Good morning, Papa. We love you. Love you so very much. He says, Your teaching is deep and amazing. Love you. And then she says, Mama, you're amazing. That's my wife he's talking about. I love the way you're listening to Papa. You're just like Mary, the sister of Martha. We love you. You have chosen the best part. Wow, that's so awesome. Thank you. 
Dr. Santosh says, praise the Lord from India. God bless you guys. Please share this widely with your friends so that they can be blessed. Drop the bitterness, as simple as that. There are even ministers of the gospel who are so...